This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, everyone. It's December 29th, 2018, and this is your producer, Jemmy, with episode 496 of Best Of. The gang is out today for the holidays, so we're rolling things back to January 13th of this year when Reese and Philip answered listener dressage questions and shared a total saddle fit tip about finding a dressage instructor. Listen in. This is episode 449 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Tonight, we are going to be joined by two of our listeners who have dressage questions that we will discuss. And of course, we have a great saddle fit tip about finding a dressage instructor. Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. With our producer, Jen, we've got on tonight. We've had a, a whole slew of producers I lately. Know. <laughs> we've had everybody. <laughs> been I love it. Around. Yeah. Well, well, we, um, we're, we're recording a little early this week um, because on Thursday night, I'm going to see Glenn and meet Jemmy down here. I'm super excited to meet them. And I've never, obviously, I know Glenn, but I've never met Jemmy. So it'll be fun to meet them down here. The Horse Radio so. Network goes on the road, I guess. Yes, <laughs> we're on the road. And um, uh, everybody, just so you know, uh, the para, uh, the para thon has been postponed to a later date um, just to get everybody organized and all that good stuff. So we're not going to be doing that on Thursday like we talked about last week. Uh, so kind of keep your ears and, and eyes and ears open for more information. Um, but I still get to hang out with Glenn. So I'm super, I'm looking forward to that uh, this week. So that's what's going on from here. Phil, how are you doing up there? Doing all right. The deep, the deep cold is uh, yeah. seemed to have subsided. So I rode all my horses today, and that was yes. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah they're doing good. They're, they're. Uh, I think they're happy to uh, to do a little work. They get used to their little routine, and yeah, I think they're they're not they're not so pleased when the routine gets broken. So right. I think that was right. good. We're working on a few things. Um, yeah, just trying to stay warm. What's going on in Florida? Well, uh, you know, we're kind of the same way, you know, it, it takes, it takes a good solid week to sort of get everything organized when, when you come down here with as many horses and dogs and people that we bring. Uh, but I think the last two days we've kind of been in, been in the swing of things. Uh, you know, today we had a lot of rain, which I'm not complaining, but the arena sometimes floods (laughs) here. So you got to get a little creative, but, um, we got everybody work today, which was good. And I mean, I'm not going to tell you the temperature because you'll be mad, uh, mm-hmm. but it was, it was good. And um, yeah, we're just um, now kind of, there's a CDI this week. So it's the first one. So it'll be fun to see sort of all the horses. I like to see them at the beginning of the season and then again at the end and kind of compare how they do over the, you know, eight weeks or 12 weeks of showing that they do. So not every horse shows every weekend. But um, it is fun to see them at the beginning of season and at the end. So that's what's going on this week. So we'll have a CDI. We'll um, we'll we'll be able to get back with you with some info on that. So looking forward to it. But we have, yeah, we have our listener question show, which 
we always really, really like the show. So um, I hope everybody enjoys. And uh, again, we, we're trying to do it once a month. Um, so if you ever have a question and you want to come on the show, uh, feel free to, te- you know, you can either email Phil and I or Facebook us. Uh, we're, super, we're easy to find if you want to. And um, we'd love to have you on the show. Or if you don't want to come on, we can always read the question too. So that's what we have going on, right, Phil? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we got a couple of pretty interesting questions you know that uh that we've sort of heard here you know here and there before and maybe we've covered similar topics but uh it's always good to see if we can um say the same thing in a different way sometimes or you know or connect with a question that we might have had two years ago or something we've been doing this a while so um i think it's great yeah i think it's great and whenever uh you know we get our listeners involved i'm really happy about that because uh I think that's what it's about, you know, trying to create information that people are looking for rather than just putting stuff out and, and hoping some of it kind of catches people and, and we never really know. So we uh, we really love getting the feedback and to, to figure out how to make the show better. So this is a, a, some great topics and I can't wait to get to it. So I think right after this commercial, we will have our first guest, Carrie Wiley. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet Microphase Vitamin and Mineral Supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, today for our listener question show, we are so excited to have Carrie Whaley on. She's calling from Aiken, Aiken, South Carolina. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we are super excited. So why don't you go ahead and ask your question for Phil and I? So my question was about trots. I, I was um, doing an exercise with a student and, you know, I'm a big fan of big trot, little trot. You know, show me that your horse is in front of your leg. Show me when you close your leg that your horse goes forward. Show me that you've got a half fault with your seat, that sort of thing. So I got into a little bit of a detailed conversation with this particular student in, in discussing the trot. And I counted seven trots that I could define to some extent um, in, in order to detail big trot, little trot a little bit more. And my question to you guys was, can you define a little bit better the difference between specifically between medium extended and lengthened trot? Um, but we also got into a conversation, you know, involving the collected trot and the working trot and what exactly is passage and kiosk and, and, you know, the, the, the rhythm and tempo of all the different tracks and the length of the frame and, and all that sort of thing. And I, I, I'd like to think I know the difference, but I guess more specifically, if you guys can define 
for everybody out there, you know, what is the difference between a medium and extended and um, a lengthened trot? You know, those sort of all seem to blend together. All right. I think we can tackle this. I think we can do our best. Um, so first, the length and trot, because that occurs in first level, is just a developing phase towards uh, a medium or extended trot. So um, you will, you know, you sort of build it from from your normal working trot. And some horses are really, really talented and will give you a really great lengthen trot and 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 are talented for the extensions and some are not um so that's why they sort of say lengthening so to, to just to keep it simple in first level i think so um once you sort of do that and develop the horse a little bit further um towards medium and extended then the lengthen trot you don't see it anymore in the test and it doesn't really exist in the training um so i think lengthen is just kind of the best that your horse can do at, at that first level and creating a longer trot. It's a training phase. It's a developing thing. And then uh, between medium and extended, so they're both kind of the biggest trot the horse can do. Medium is in the same frame as working trot. So big steps, same frame. And then extended will would be um, in a longer, little bit more stretched out frame. And typically you would get an even bigger step for extended. Uh, than you would for medium, but they're both just sort of maximizing the horse's trot. And then um, Piaf is um, a trot on the spot with no swing. So the tempo can be, it depends on the horse, but can be a little bit faster than what you get in Passage is covering as little ground as possible while the horse continues to swing. So it's all about airtime in that Passage. So I mean, again, horses with their talents, you know, some will passage really well and not pee off very well. That's where you see a horse more or less shuffle on the spot. It's not incorrect. It's just, you know, the horse's abilities, I think, sometimes. And then some horses pee off really well where they really, you know, pick up the diagonal pairs on the spot and their passage, you know, will not cover enough ground or have some issues. So, I mean, developing these uh, these trots, and this is why we don't cover a lot of pee off passage on our show because it's, it all depends on the horse and it can be very, very tricky and um, and every horse needs to be trained a little bit differently. So I think that sort of covers it. Reese, do you have any anything that yeah. I kind of missed there? No, I think that that was actually a pretty good um, explanation on all of them. And I think um, as you ride and as your horse's level gets more and more cultured, if you want to say, or more advanced, sort of the ability to to play within that range is incredibly important. And I think that's probably, you know, what you were chatting with your student was, you know, as you develop your trots and your ability to have, you know, you start with the lengthening and sometimes the, the lengthening starts with uh, running. And shuffling, <laughs> uh, yeah. Shuffling yeah, and that. running. Yeah, then their horse gets a little bit stronger and they're able to carry themselves a little bit more and that will develop into the medium trots and then into the extended trot. Um, and as you're, as you're kind of giving the horse's culture, like I like to say, or just education, you know, learning for them to, to be rounder and to, to be more through and to all of these play into what will eventually become your Piaf and Passage. Um, and, and like Phil said, we don't cover a ton of it because, you know, it, 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 
it's it's something that that is a good thing to talk about and to learn, but can can sometimes be misinterpreted. Um, but you know, like Phil and I, we'll play with Piaf with youngsters. It's just uh, Piaf is just getting the horse to be quicker behind when you ask them to be a little bit quicker behind. And Passage, you know, sometimes we just teach them how to to bounce and play within that trot. Um, and sometimes that can improve sort of the collected trot. So um, I just think as as you ride and train and and do you know all of your tempo changes and all of your transitions you know, working within that is, is, is kind of the fun of, of developing a horse's trot. And that's how, um, you can develop a trot more than you can develop a canter. You know, you can make a horse trot better by teaching them all those sort of different gears. So that's sort of, I, I think, I think, you know, when I think about, when I think about it and think about the question, there's not, you know, seven defined trots. You know, it's I, I, I don't think about it as just being this is my extended trot, this is my medium trot or, you know, PF Passage. I, I always think about putting the horse, you know, using a dial to, to, you know, pick it up a little bit or dial it down a little bit. You know, w- while I'm riding a test, you know, in front of a judge, I might really, you know, feel really good about my horse and really go for an extended trot. Like, you know, push for maximum. I've got good balance. I got good rhythm. But if the horse is a little tight and tense. I'm going to dial that back again so that I don't just say, you know, click into an extended. I just think, okay, I'm going to continue to ride every step to think harmony, balance, and then go for the expression and go for, you know, that thing. So it's, you know, and while I'm training day to day, I got to know that I, I can push for as much as I want or just just take it down a notch and, and be able to to use the dial a little bit. So. Um, hopefully that kind of makes sense. Do you have any more questions about the trot or what we're, what we're talking about here? If we could clarify a little better that Carrie. I, I think that that all makes sense. I think the biggest reason I use that exercise, you know, the big trot, little trot specifically exercise and, and why I got into the, the conversation was more that, 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 you know, there needs to be an understanding that a, a, a little trot or a collected trot isn't just a slower trot that you need to right. keep the energy going and to try to explain what, you know, Passage and Kiosk, you know, there's still a ton of energy. You're just not covering the ground. So, you know, when I try to do the exercise with students and say, okay, show me a little trot. Don't cover as much ground, but you need to keep the, the same energy in the little trot. It's not just slowing the trot down and the lengthening or the extension or the medium. It's not just running your horse across the ground. Um, you know, I think that's just something that, that a lot of people struggle to understand and I try very hard to, to be as clear as I can when I'm explaining what I need, what I want, what I'm looking for. If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think, I think, yes. And I think it is hard for people to understand. And I, I always try to explain it that it's, you know, basically as the horse is connected and round, you know, you're basically making sort of a wheel of energy, right? So as you increase activity, the energy has to recycle back quicker from the hind leg through the rider to the horses, to the bit back around quicker. So, you know, it's not running, right? Cause running the energy doesn't recycle back around. So, you know, it is, and, and I, I try to explain it sort of like a, a piston of a car, right? That it gets quicker and it works faster, but it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't make the horse run. So that's where I, you know, you have to add in, you know, as, you know, yes, it's an extended canter, but the horse is still in contact. And that's where sort of the contact and the half halting 
has to also play into the understanding of of what it is, right? Because um, or a piaf, right? The piaf has a tremendous amount of energy. Tremendous. It's just not going. It's not covering ground. While an extended canner also has a tremendous amount of energy, but it's covering the ground. Same with the extended trot. So it's actually, you know, piaf is basically theoretically not extended trot on the spot, but a very, very active trot on the spot, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all about sort of, you know, there's only, the horse can only have so much energy, can only create so much. It's just how quickly are you getting it to recycle back to the hind leg to come back out again? So, um, that's, that's always helpful for me to think of it that way, but it is, you know, that's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just not always easy to sort of explain. No, it's hard, you know, right? To, to, to make it clear to, to try to get to to try to get people to understand. I, I had a, a trainer in the past that referred to the sort of slow trot exercises. You know, think of it as the as the poor man's passage. You, Ooh, you know, to keep yeah. the energy. And, and I thought that was sort of a of a neat way to think about it. Um, you know, you trying to keep the energy, but you're just not covering quite as much ground. But you know, again, trying to explain. It's not running. It's not slowing down. It's it's keeping all of that energy. It's just it's just putting it in a different form. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. Shaping it. Yeah. Shaping your trots and yeah, and exactly. and always pushing. Always pushing. You know, never pulling. And and I think we could talk a little bit about because we had some more questions about trot on on the you know when we threw it out there to our auditors and our listeners. Um, about how do you stop a horse from rushing or how do I get the hind leg to work a little bit better? I, I think, you know, by default, you should, you know, always be pushing forward and then see what you can do from there. And so when you're trying to, you know, make your first steps of lengthening or you're trying to train your horse towards first level, or you want to go to first level show, make sure you can push the horse, even if they get faster and that they start to make more contact onto the bit. That is the most important um, piece of the puzzle because if you just throw your hands forward and kick the horse forward there's there's no increase of that bridge over the horse's back and 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 to to make the back rounder and from there you have to be able to control the steps so the first i mean with my young guys and whatever i actually when i push them forward for more trot i, I gently and carefully but i take on the bit so that they get the idea that they have to connect better that's a, that's the whole way to be able to make the trot or canter walk bigger and smaller is by increasing that amount of of you know pushing the hind legs and then taking a hold of the bit so that they they connect and they can lift their back and that's how they make the steps longer. They, the steps will never make, get longer if you don't increase that connection. So if you have to do it, you know, by taking your hands backwards or teaching the horse to push or, or, uh, or pull on the bit to make more contact, that's the, that's the really important piece of this puzzle. And so, um, you know, if you just push and the horse gets hollow or, you know, um, curls up and tucks behind the bit, then you've got other problems to think about. Um, and then I sort of, you know, if that's the problem, I, if they get behind the bit a little bit, I just keep pushing and, and hopefully that will, you know, the horse will learn what, what, what it means to make more contact and, and to push more energy through. And then from there you can make the steps smaller and bigger, you know, if you continue to train and, and, and work at it, but it's a very tricky thing and a very tricky concept to, to, uh, to learn to, 
to do that. So uh, most people don't like it when the horse pulls on the bit a little bit. They they think that's wrong, and and when there's an increase of contact, you know, they might pull on their arms or their shoulders a little bit, and 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 riders tend not to like that. But you need that sort of concept to make it all work and to be connected. Sure, I think there's a lack of understanding though for that as well. That an increased contact doesn't necessarily mean that your horse is pulling either. Right. So I think that's a hard thing to to define to somebody who's you know unclear on that as well. Increased contact isn't always a bad thing. Increased contact doesn't always mean pulling. So you know that's another thing that's a bit of a struggle to to explain until somebody understands the feel a little bit better as well. So Carrie, tell us a little bit about you know how you've kind of. Um, been training your students, right? You have a, you're riding a Grand Prix horse right now. So it's, it's easy. It's much easier when the horses have all the gears to explain it to someone. So tell us, give us a little perspective. Yes, absolutely. So I'm an event rider by profession and I live very close to Finger Lakes racetrack. And most of my business is pulling racehorses off the track, retraining them. Most of them decide they want to be event horses. They certainly can be anything, but I specialize in event horses and, and do quite a bit of that and do do a bunch of other things as well. I do combined driving and, and um, the super short version is I, I sold my little combined driving horse and sort of sell upon this, um, this Grand Prix horse. And so now I have a Grand Prix horse in my barn and I had an event horse that wasn't off the truck though, but it absolutely hated dressage. So I made sort of a goal and, and started going to more and more dressage. So to help this particular horse, out and the more I did with him the better of course he got and the better he got in his other phases of eventing as well and I actually ended up getting a bronze medal on him which was completely by mistake did not understand anything about the medals and that was back in the day when you didn't have to apply for him or anything it just kind of showed up in the mail and um ended up actually taking that thoroughbred through pre-St. George on my own not really knowing as much as I should have known um, to get to that level. And as much as we all like to pretend that the eventing dressage is exactly the same thing as the quote-unquote real dressage, it's really not. Um, that, that's a whole other debate for another <laughs> show. <laughs> show. But anyway, um, so I fell upon this Grand Prix horse and started doing um, so I had, I had two pre-St. George horses at the same time. So when I got the Grand Prix horse, it started him at fourth just to sort of get to know him. And then um, moved him up to pre-St. George. And I was doing him in a, in a throwback in a pre-St. George. And then it was it was remarkable to me how different the the dressage horse was than the event horse. And, and again, that's a whole, whole other debate. But what the Grand Prix t- horse taught me was so incredibly valuable for the for the event horses, um, and and the technique and the the refinement and the detail. I guess I'm not exactly sure what the right adjective is, but as far as the the upper level dressage kept progressing. So now I've got my gold medal, and I'm doing the Grand Prix on the Grand Prix horse, which is new to me. Um, I've done seven Grand Prix with him now. We just moved down to Aiken, so I'll keep going with with Silver Martin down here. And James Savoy's been helping me quite a bit with him. And Michael Barrison and, and his sister Susan Barrison lives in my neighborhood. So she helps me quite a bit as well. But it's been very enlightening for my students to see me riding the Grand Prix horse and, you know, practicing my passage and tee off and, and 
seeing, having them being able to see the energy that's in the kiosk and say, okay, look at this. This is, this is the, the, the epitome of slow chat, right? I'm, I'm chatting in place. I'm not covering any ground. So when I talk to you guys about doing the big chat, little chat exercise in your lessons, you know, this is sort of as little chat as a little chat can get, but notice how much energy is in this chat. And I can take this kiosk and I can make this kiosk into an extended chat. And there's a phenomenal amount of energy in that extended chat too. So it's so enlightening for them to be able to see, you know, how you can keep the energy in that chat, cover no ground, cover a ton of ground, cover medium ground, you know, do, do whatever you need to do in adjusting that chat. And it's, it's so much nicer for me as an instructor to be able to say, okay, look, look, watch me sit on this horse. Watch what I can change. Watch how the energy doesn't change, but watch how I can cover more ground or cover less ground. And it's just so much easier to explain by showing them, giving them an example, than it is to stand on the ground in the middle of the arena and go, no, 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 look, look understand. You need, to, you need to understand this and, and try to explain it. But for them to be able to see it, is I just I'm a very visual learner, so I'm a very visual instructor, and I think for for my students and to be able to see that has been really valuable. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that I think that that's been really helpful to me, not only as an instructor, um, but as a rider to be able to feel that, to be able to show it to my students, to be able to demonstrate it, so they can get a little bit better of an understanding as to what I'm asking for when I say big try, little try, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. No, that makes total, that makes total sense. Oh, I love it. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for coming on the show. We're so glad that you're a listener, but also that you're, you are, are helping and with us and figuring out uh, some questions. So um, you're a trainer as well. So if people are in Aiken or looking for an eventing trainer or someone that also does dressage, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I have a website, uh, wheelysounds.com, and a Facebook page, which is kept pretty well up to date, and uh, we're down in Aiken for the winter, and it has finally gotten warm down here, and we are out of upstate New York, and there's no snow around, and it is phenomenal. So, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I hear you, girl. Um, easy to find. So, yeah, no, no, no worries there. So, it's, it's good. We're staying warm and, and keeping happy and going to get all these horses cleaned up and clipped and and uh and out competing for the for the year and for, to start it. the season so that'll be fun awesome awesome well thanks for coming on the show and we look forward to keep in touch with you super thanks for having me best wishes to everybody well i really liked hearing from carrie that was a great question you can tell um you know she she's a trainer so you get three trainers together and it's just a fun conversation always uh so we love doing that so our next guest uh she's going to tell us a little bit about her mare and some of the tricky things she's having uh, going on right now. Well, tonight uh, we have another listener calling for our listener question show. We have Courtney Teets on. Courtney, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We are excited. So, Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself and then um, tell us your question and we'll see if we can handle it. Um, yeah, so I own, uh, like a retraining type program, uh, and I was recently given a really nice warm blood mare, uh, well, possibly really nice warm blood mare. Um, uh, she had had two years off before I got her. Um, and before that she's had kind of sketchy training. Her previous owner ended up kind of being terrified of her. So she was given to me. Um, I've had her since October. 
Um, for the most part, we just did lunging for a little while, but now we're starting to ride. And now we've come into the problem where her gaps in her training are coming in and the bad training that she had is showing up. And I'm, it's pretty evident that I think she was ridden incorrectly in draw reins. And while I've dealt with this before, she's just a little bit different. So I'm not sure how to deal with it. So a lot of the issue that we have is she will, um, tuck her nose into her chest, of course. And the only way to slow her down, she doesn't listen to your seat is to use more rain, which just makes her shove her nose more into her chest. Um, so we're kind of stuck in the act of how to teach her to, to stretch out and lengthen. She's a big ball of just tension all the time. I've ruled out pain. There's nothing wrong with her. She just is so stuck inside of herself and she can't get out of that ball frame she won't stretch out. She won't let her nose relax or anything. Uh, but I'm just, I'm stuck. I can't can't for the life of me figure out what to do. All right. Um, I guess my first question is, what kind of bit is she in? Um, I've had her in a couple different ones, trying to figure out different things. Uh, one yeah. of them that I had her in was a single jointed um, D ring snaffle, uh, just smooth, plain. Um, and then I put her in an egg butt French link. That made no difference with that. Um, for the most part, though, it's just simple snaffles, uh, be it yeah. a French link or just a single jointed. Yeah. So, yeah, my favorite is the egg butt double jointed. So, a French link. If the French link doesn't work, uh, try something with a little bit thicker. So, you, you can go thicker and thinner bits too. I, horses <laughs> have preference. Um, happy mouth bits, even just a straight bar happy mouth. You got to find the best bit that's going to work work with the horse, and that's the best the best way, I think, to start. You know, really dealing with the tack first. So, some horses are super sensitive, and some, you know, just prefer a certain kind of bit. So that's the easiest way to solve, or at least help improve a training problem. Um, so yeah, just keep keep working with different bits. I know you may have tried three or four, but just keep trying different ones until, until you've, until you've sort of exhausted all options. I think that's the, that's the best way to kind of figure that out. And then, um, the next thing and to deal with the training is that these types of horses, you can't really expect them to stretch a whole lot right away. I think that can be a, a huge challenge. So what I try and focus on is just trying to get the note, the, horse in front of the vertical let them carry the head as low or as high as they want but to get the nose stretched out and to open up the angle between the horse's jaw and its neck and try and see where you can go from there you might have to ride that horse for eight months just a little up and out but i think that's the most important thing you know to try and get the horse to be comfortable with you know, making them themselves as long as possible over the top line before you even start to stretch the top line. And um, if you have a problem with the horse not wanting to stop, you know, like you said, pulling and then pulling more doesn't really work. So, you know, I like right. to use like really quick movements with my hand, like to say, okay, you have like to, to bring a little contact to, to slow the horse down or to bring it into the lower gate, whether it's whether you're cantering and you want to trot or, or, or whatever, and to just use a really quick kind of touch on the bit, but release ex like right away, like really right away, that there is not even for two seconds contact that is holding and pulling backwards to say, you have to walk now or, you know, or you have to halt now, but really use a quick moment, give, and if the horse doesn't halt, it's fine, and do it again. 
and give and do it again and give until the horse understands that they have to, you know, when they feel a little bit of that contact, that they have to come to the lower gate as soon as possible. So you don't get into the trap of pulling and pulling more and then the horse coming behind the bit. So you really, I think it's, it's about riding the horse out to the bit at all times and, and really just not allowing the ho- this horse ever to, to take its nose behind the vertical, no matter how high or low the head is. Uh, Reese, any thoughts on that? I know it's kind of tricky. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's tricky, especially when you don't see it. But I think, you know, Phil, your, your approach with the bit, I think you do have to find the right bit. Um, I think that's important. And I, I just wanted to make a note, and it and it's maybe not popular on my end, but, you know, so many people use draw reins incorrectly. And, and, and I think draw reins have a bad rap because of that. But draw reins themselves, actually in German, they translate to being called help, helping reins. So there are good applications for draw reins if, if, if you know how to use them properly. So I like to throw that out there because I think so many people think draw reins are the worst thing on the planet. They're not, but they don't need to be used for connection, right? Draw reins can be used if you're having trouble, like teaching a horse a flying change or, and they're throwing their head and they're running. You know, there's certain things that I, and I just wanted to say that because I think they have a bad rap a little bit. But in your case, you know, again, they're being used for connection, right? And that's a bad thing. That's not mm-hmm. something that they should be used for. So that may be an unpopular statement, but I, I do want to say that, <laughs> um, you know, um, so a couple things with your horse. I, I totally agree with Philip, like contact should in some ways be taken out of the conversation. And, you know, whenever I get a problem or I see something that happens, I go back to what is the what are the basics? All right. So if you go back to your scale of training, you've got rhythm with energy and tempo and relaxation with elasticity and suppleness before contact on the scale of training Mm -hmm. or pyramid of training that we use. So I would say first go back and, you know, can you trot in rhythm, not with contact, but can you trot in rhythm? Can you um, do bending lines without necessarily getting the horse on the bit per se, um, but just that the horse learns again that there's a connection from the hind leg to the bit, if that makes sense, and that the horse mm-hmm. learns to seek the contact. So those would be, you know, sort of the exercises just from a from a high level. Um, and and again, I think with a horse that has that sort of baggage, if you want to say it that way, um, that they're too round up front, um, the, the last thing you want to do is be pulling on the reins. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a, right. you know, you know, and, and saying, oh, you have to be into a contact for me. I would really want that horse to learn how to seek the contact and, and do it that way. So, um, I hope that makes sense. Um, and certainly without yeah, seeing yeah, it, sure. that would be, that would be what I would do. But I, I do really like the, maybe you, you need to find a little bit of a softer bit that that horse is a little bit more comfortable with as well. Yeah, I have a, a plethora of bits, so I'll definitely yeah. be trying many, many more. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes that's you thing. think like, oh, this bit wouldn't work, and then all of a sudden it works. Like, it doesn't always, yeah. like, it isn't logical, or sometimes it doesn't make sense, so that's why I just keep, you know, just keep trying different things, and and again, I like that Reese said, like, it doesn't matter if the horse is, quote-unquote, on the bit right now. It just needs to be relaxed, you know, then lots of sugar treats and stuff, because it sounds like this horse is not very trusting at all. There's no relationship or partnership going on. So you have to spend, I usually tell people a year just Mm -hmm. creating a partnership before you can do any dressage. 
Mm-hmm. So let the horse be a little, you know, if it wants to be really above the bit, let it be above the bit, you know, and, and just, you know, just try and release with your hands. Trot. and It has to move right to the yeah, bit, it has right? To go. It has to go. Yeah. I think the go is not a problem with this one, maybe, but Mm-mm. probably, yeah. probably the stop. Go is not a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop. Is stop is the problem. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's about trust. It's about relaxation. So I wouldn't be doing a whole lot of dressage, you know, even yeah. exercise, like do a whole lot of hacking, do a whole lot of other stuff so that you can really get that horse to trust you and to, to put it in different situations. And that, you know, you, you form a bit of a partnership that, it, that, it, you know, likes people, um, that the horse is happy to kind of go along and, and you, what you're trying to create is a better mind that you can start to work with than really worrying about the physical issues and, and the on the bit stretching problems. Those, I mean, those, you can't tackle those problems if you have zero trust and zero re- relaxation. So, you know, get out of the arena, you know, or get, get sort of the traditional dressage exercises out of your head until you have safety and trust and, and some of those, those concepts really down first so that no matter what you do in your training, the horse will trust you and will sort of relax and accept, accept the aids. Yeah, you got a bit of a project on your hands. It sounds like yeah, but but a lot of times <laughs> well, projects are the free. best, right? Well, right, and but a yes. lot of times that's how you get the nice horse, right? That because after this, <laughs> the time and getting the horse, once you have a horse like that that trusts you, truly, those are going to be your best horses. I think at the end of the day, if you can, if you can sort of figure it out, um, which means you got to try a lot of stuff. But if you can figure it out, I, I bet you at the end of a year, you're going to call us back and say, I have a phenomenal horse in my hands. Yeah, we're going to check in on this one, I, I hope think. so, I hope yes, so. Yes, we want to check in with you. He's very interesting, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we look forward to it. Keep us in the loop. Let us know how it goes, because I'm sure everyone's going to want an update in, in a couple months. So keep us in the loop, and we wish you all the best. And thanks for, thanks for calling thanks, in. guys. Thank you guys so much. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. So, Phil, for our Total Saddle Fit uh, tip of the week, we're going to talk, well, a, a little bit about the Stretch Tech shoulder relief girth, which I really like this girth personally um, with horses that are girthy. Um, I have had a ton of... Um, success with this girth. And, and I had a situation, uh, recently with, um, my youngster, um, he was getting kind of girthy and I thought, Oh, he's got ulcers and, 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 and he didn't, he really was actually getting sore, um, under where the girth was placed. And it's just more because he was having to lift his stomach. He was having to engage a little bit more. And I've had other horses around his stage get sore. And so I switched him. He was in, um, the, the regular shoulder, shoulder relief girth, which, um, works really well, but I switched him to this stretch tech problem solved. So, uh, that was really cool. And I don't know if it's just, was him just age and stage, but this is a great girth if you ever have sort of that kind of issue. Um, and it's built with a unique triangular elastic in the center of the girth that expands, um, at, for the horse, which I really think that really helped this youngster. So I love this girth. I use it a ton. Um, Phil, tell us a little bit, um, about your experience. 
Well, I just think like you, you see a lot of um, girths with uh, elastic on, on each end. I think that's the yeah. traditional way of doing it. But I think with this, with the elastic through the middle, and it's if if you look on the photos, you can see that the, the, the girth is allowed to expand around the horse's chest sort of sternum area. And I think that works a lot better than having the girth elastic points up where you kind of do it up because... Uh, where you do it up, that makes it easier for the rider to kind of crank that girth real tight. But that, that again, you end up with a with maybe a girth that's very restrictive mm-hmm. through the chest for the breathing, and then that doesn't really, you know, your girth is easy easy to do up, but it doesn't really help the horse to breathe better to expand. And you know, I see a lot of horses. You know, I go into barns and I'm teaching lessons, and, and I see the horses, you know, kind of putting the ears back and you know, a little bit biting towards the rider. Um, I think this girth can solve that problem. You know, like if your horse is showing any discomfort whatsoever, this girth is worth a try, right? If, if you're thinking your horse is going to be ridden five days a week or so that, you know, every day, then they have to wear this tack. I think if you can make them more comfortable, do it right. Because, mm-hmm. and, and, it's, and these products are not on the high end of expensive. So, um, I think your, your horse could thank you. And your riding could go better, and they could be, you know, less cranky, you know, to tack up. Yep. So I think, yeah, that's, I think how that's worth doing, and and uh, just try it out. Yep, I love it. I love it. Well, Phil, we've got another listener question for our total saddle fit tip of the week. Tell us a little bit. Of, what's our, what's the question? Well, I think the question is pretty simple. I think um, one of our listeners has asked, you know, what should uh, she or he be looking for in uh, a beginner type dressage instructor, you know, how to find a good instructor. What what are some things that you think that someone should be looking for? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. I think because a lot of it is dependent on the area that you live in. um, And it's hard sometimes, you know, if you, there's really one or two choices, uh, it's difficult, but um, the, the one thing I would say is when you're looking for instructor, uh, and I'm not sure about Canada, but in the U.S., we do have the instructor certification program. Um, so you can look on the USCF website, and that is a great place to start for a dressage instructor. Uh, not all trainers are certified, um, but it is a really good place to start, and it means that the instructor has gone through the training that's necessary to become certified. Um So that would be the first thing I would do. Uh, The second thing I would do is, you know, obviously look at at your local group member organization and see what trainers are there and talk to, you know, talk to a bunch of people uh, in the area about who uh, they are. Um, Some other resources, uh, Pony Club has also a program that certifies um, facilities and instructors. I think that's a good good way to go if you don't know and you're moving to an area. Is there a pony club um, in the area? Um, I also think, you know, there are other certifications sort of worldwide. Uh, the British Horse Society um, certification is, is a very good certification. It's difficult to pass it. Um, so that would be the first thing I would do always if you're moving or looking for another instructor. You know, see if they have, you know, what credentials they have 
to be teaching. Um, I think that's important. Not always, not everybody is certified or has those credentials or, or they don't need them or however, but I think that's a place to start. So that would be the first thing I would do. And then, you know, in your area, uh, go hook up with, I always say the tax shop owner. <laughs> they always know, <laughs> yeah, you know, who's around and what's, what's going, going on. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's got good reputation. Who yeah, doesn't and who doesn't. Um, you know, and, and you want to look for the reputation uh, for, for good quality. And and I think it's important, um, especially with youngsters, you know, that, that you find somebody with a good reputation. Uh, that's important. Uh, and, and I say the the sort of the USDF certification uh, because we do also have to get some other training. We have to take the um, the Safe Sport program, uh, which is uh, through the U.S. Olympic Committee, I think. Um, with all instructors have to take that. So there's some other things that that you are doing and, and extra training. So that would be where I would start. Um, Phil, do you have anything to add to that? I think that, I think that's uh, a great tip, and you know. Uh, I think we've said this before, but, you know, just because someone is a great instructor doesn't mean they're a great instructor for you. So, I mean, the best, you know, if you're just starting out in the sport, just, you know, hook up with a trainer, try them out, try out three different trainers, try, you know, figure out what, you know, what works for your price point, um, you know, and then, you know, make a decision later. I think it's okay. Like, I never have a problem if, if any one of my students wants to be, taught by someone else or, you know, like I never have a problem with that. So I think it's, I think it's good to be getting different perspectives and even, uh, even going to an eventing trainer. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. problem. We, I, all the basics are, are pretty much the same. So it's not that you need, you know, if you want to try dressage to need a dressage specific only instructor. I mean, a lot, lots of people do a wonderful job of teaching basic riding skills and, and, and going through the process of, learning how to ride and, and learning how to ride correctly. So um, I think I think that's all the tips that I can think about at this, yeah. at this moment. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed our tip show this week. Everyone uh, always has been, people have been asking for it. And um, again, if you have questions you want Phil and I to answer, we are always try, we will always try. And if we don't know the answer, we will find somebody that does. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>